You're listening to the Vacation Rental Success Podcast. This episode is brought to you by the Vacation Rental Formula's own Virtual Vendor Showcase. The Virtual Vendor Showcase is a virtual online exhibitor hall, giving you the opportunity to browse products and services that may be of value to you and your business, all with video testimonials from people who have used a product or service and talk about how their business has been transformed because of it. Head across to vacationrentalformula.com forward slash VVS to find out more. Now, let's get started. Here's your host, Heather Bayer. This is the Vacation Rental Success Podcast, keeping you up to date with news, views, information and resources on this rapidly changing short-term rental business. I'm your host, Heather Bayer, and with 25 years of experience in this industry, I'm making sure you know what's hot, what's not, what's new and what will help make your business a success. Welcome to another episode of the Vacation Rental Success Podcast. This is your host, Heather Bayer, and I am super happy to be back with you as ever on this lovely June day. And we are open for business. It's been a long time coming. It's been six months of lockdown, give or take a week or two in February. I think I've mentioned that when we were tempted by the prospect of opening up and then got promptly shut down again. But here we are, we're, we're in the first part of the opening process. Cottage rentals were included in that. We still have some gathering restrictions, but you know, we'll take what is given to us. And really, really happy, really happy to get going and start welcoming guests. It's been very, very nice delivering happy news to people. It's the first time we've been able to deliver good news in the last six months. Mostly it's been, I'm so sorry, your vacation has been cancelled. We'll give you a full refund or you can book again. That whole business about giving a full refund, no questions asked, has really worked in our favour. We have a ton more really loyal guests now who will come back to us over and over again because many owners, managers that I've heard of, you know, we're not allowing cancellations. You know, you, you can move your time, but we've got your money and we're keeping it. And I just could not, I could not countenance doing that. So we chose another route and really, really glad that we did so. So what's on today? Well, today I'm welcoming back Andrew McConnell from Rented.com. Originally, Andrew came on the show every January to talk about the new year of vacation rentals. We'd look back to what happened in the previous year and look ahead, few predictions. And since the pandemic started, Andrew has been coming on the show every six months. And I, I really like this because he is very, very knowledgeable about this business he has such good insights, which is one of the reasons he's often quoted in Skift and other short-term rental publications, because his opinion and thoughts are valued. And I value them. I really do. So without further ado, let's go on over to my conversation with Andrew McConnell. So I'm super delighted to have with me Andrew McConnell from Rented.com 
on what was our annual episode, which has now become our biannual episode. And I think we'll just keep this going. I think we'll keep this going as a biannual episode to talk about really the state of the vacation rental nation. And because it, it is certainly a lot of things have changed in the past six months, a lot to talk about, a lot to unpack. But uh, welcome, Andrew. Thank you so much for joining me again. It is my pleasure. It is one of the many new normals, I think, coming out of <laughs> 2020 and COVID that now we have biannual instead of just the the once a year. Well, I, I love it. I love this. I mean, by the time you come back, hopefully by the time you come back to do the new year one, we, I mean, maybe it will be around about the millionth episode, a uh, millionth download. Oh, nice. Not the millionth, well, let's not just, the millionth, millionth episode. Yeah, that's, that's a lot of episodes. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe the millionth Million download. Dollars. Great. Congratulations. Yeah, let's, let's do it. Yeah. Let's just make this one take off and, and get there yes, now. Yes, yeah, yeah. It should be should be six months. We should be there. So you're still in Bermuda? Still in Bermuda, living the dream. Yeah. <laughs> so you're allowed to stay for, for, for a year? Is that it? We're allowed to stay for the year, and they're encouraging people to reapply if, if people want to extend. And so debating that to have the optionality. Uh, I have my driver's license here now, so that's good for 10 years. Oh, uh, Wow. Yeah, so. Yes, last time we spoke, I think there was a problem with school buses or something and you couldn't drive. And- yeah, so it's it's illegal for non-Bermudians to drive. Uh, if you come here, you can rent a moped or these little electric cars called Twizzies that are tiny and kids can't get in them. And so you're relying on taxis and the bus system. But the bus system is not the most consistent. And then with COVID, it's restricted and they cancel them. And so it's, it's hard to get to and from school. They go on strike you know, very friendly. So getting a car was liberating to say the least. Oh, I bet. So, so before I started, I pressed the record button, you were were talking about Wales and I said, yeah, let's share that story. The, around the April timeframe, I I think it's around the full moon, the humpback whales migrate through Bermuda kind of heading their way, I believe up to Canada. And just talking about kind of new normals and, and making it hard to transition back. And so I, I was talking to a friend of mine who had just come back from swimming with the whales and was talking about how incredible it was. So I was telling my five-year-old daughter Tallulah about it. I said, yeah, my friend today went out swimming with the whales. She said, swimming with the whales? I said, yeah. You know, he, he got up to him and you could see him swimming. So he put on his mask and then dove in so he could go swimming. And she goes, oh, because the whales might have COVID. <laughs> Oh, no, not that kind of mask. But that like, that's the the default for is you wear a mask because people might have COVID. Wow, that's, uh, (laughs) as you say, the new, the new normal. Yeah, you think of those, you know, these kids that have sort of come in at that that age in particular, um, because that's probably all they remember. Exactly. That, that is, there's not a new normal. That is what life is, is you wear a mask at all times. And yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting getting back. Yeah. So talking about getting back, we're, we're June now heading into conference season. Are you going to get to any of the uh, conferences over the next six months? I absolutely am. So we are actually taking the entire team because the first one is Amy's data and revenue management conference, which is obviously a big one for us at Rented, um, given our pricing and revenue mm-hmm. management. And so we're actually taking the whole team to Charleston, running a big vacation rental, spending a few days there together before the conference starts. To, it'll be our first time getting together in, I guess, a year and a half, two years. Yeah. Uh, so that, that'll be exciting because we're, we're a fully remote team. We had gone fully remote before COVID. 
So that, that's a big one. And just before this, I was actually on just with Antonio for the Vacation Rental World Summit, talking about some of the sessions and what we're going to do there. So really excited for that one. The Women's Summit, Renid's the, the name sponsor for the VR and Mintel Women's Summit this year. So very excited for that in December. And then as always, our Super Bowl, I call it the, the VRMA International Conference, which is the first time I met you in person. Yes. <laughs> and I do remember that in San Diego because we had talked on the phone and everything and some fangirl came up to you. It's like, oh my God, can I meet you? I'm the biggest fan. And it, was, it was so cool to see. <laughs> I, was just, I was with a celebrity and it was very cool. <laughs> I don't, I'm hoping to get to San Antonio, but we shall, we shall see. We shall see how the borders, how the yeah. borders go. It would, it would be nice. I mean, things seem to be returning to some semblance of normality, even here in Canada, which is interesting to see, seeing as we've been shut down for the last six months. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. yeah. So uh, but anyway, we're open now. Anyway, I want to talk about a couple of things, you know, certainly th- yeah. things that I've been seeing on Skift in particular. There's a there's a, an article on Market Watch I want to talk about, about Airbnb and and their PR nightmare they had recently with the outcry on Twitter about service fees. I don't were you aware of that one? So uh, so a couple of things. I, I want to uh, I want to cover, but I, you know I'll put I'll put it over to you and say what are the major things that have happened in the industry over the past six months since January. I think the single major thing is our industry is defined by inflection points, where something happens and you get this big bang moment of innovation and change. And so I, I would go back to one was kind of around 2001, 2002, when I forget the guy's name, but out of Colorado started what was then VRBO, now Verbo. And this idea of moving what used to be an entirely offline business online, just transformative, really grew the RBO market and, and the entire industry. You got that again in 2008, you had not just Airbnb and Vacasa entering the market, but you also had the financial crisis. And what that did, again, was took awareness of the category and made it really big. Because people, as I think we've seen in the, the pandemic, they don't stop traveling. People love to travel. They just change where they travel. So the financial crisis, people did not have the same means. They weren't flying to Europe. They weren't necessarily flying to the Caribbean. They were getting in a car and driving somewhere and renting a house. And so it opened them up to, wow, there's some really nice places I can drive to. There's, and maybe I can do long weekends and I can do these other things. And so we t- went from kind of 20% of people had stayed in a vacation rental in the U.S. pre-2007 to closer to 30% by the time we got to 2010, because it really expanded mm-hmm. that market. And I think we've now gone to kind of 45%. We're pushing that tipping point to get to where more people have stayed in vacation rentals and haven't. And at each time we have one of these it's not that the market maybe permanently stays there, but it, it stays pretty high. Those people come back. People stay. They have a good experience. They come back. And it, it's, it's one of those that it, the, the rising tide lifts all the boats. And we had one big, the tide went out, and it was very scary, uh, Q2 last year. And for some markets, you know, Canada with the lockdowns, it was longer than that. U.S., fortunately, it was, it was basically mm-hmm. a quarter of those markets. And then by the summer, it opened up. But that growth of the industry, of the customer base, I think is going to be the biggest permanent change that 
it, it's going to have long-lasting effects in terms of what the expectations are, who now comes into the space, how what they're, how long people stay, where they travel, all of that. And I think we'll be unpacking those implications for years to come. And, and that really will define who's ultimately successful in the next mm-hmm. five years. Yeah, it was it was interesting. So reading a couple of Skift articles recently um, from from the Skift Live and Carl Shepard talking um, on different panels. I think he was on a couple of panels, but one significant thing I think he said was that um, during the pandemic, short term rental accommodation should no longer be classified as alternative accommodation because it has become the preferred accommodation. It is. And he says, and hotels had better figure that out. But my question out of that said, well. Hotels may have to figure it out, and I'm sure they will have to, because people are seeing that vacation rentals are, you know, they're safer. They can get together with their family in just one space and don't have to share it with anybody else. I mean, that's that that's pretty much, uh, you know, a given. But what do vacation rentals have to figure out? Because certain, you know, property managers, hosts, independent owners have to make some changes and you just said you know rising tide lifting how what about those that aren't going up with the tide yeah I, I think one example you talked about a few years ago in Canada it was still very normal that sheets were not included right you brought sheets and so people who are used to that market had that expectation people not used to that market if you're used to staying mm-hmm. in a Sheraton much less the St. Regis you book something, you're probably paying a pretty penny now because supply is limited to book it. And so you're expecting something, you're showing up and it's not meeting that expectation. And so you're coming in with non-trained guests on what the baseline is, what the product is with certain expectations. And there's certain things that by their very nature, the space, the number of bedrooms, everything that vacation rentals just will outperform on. But there's a separate level on service that it's by company, it's by business, it's by host on do you live up to that or not. Mm -hmm. And if you're not able to know who your guest is, what their expectations are and exceed those consistently, that's going to be very hard to make that transition. Because I think we all know how important reviews and ratings are in this industry. And so you start going down that path of getting bad ones. It, it's kind of, mm-hmm. you can be in that spiral if you don't fix that really quickly. It's interesting. You should talk about the whole business of linens. Cause we spent, we spent three or four years trying to get our owners into this mindset that you've got to do it differently. You know, <laughs> you've got to meet those expectations of guests that if you're asking $4,000 a week for your property, they expect the beds to be made up when they arrive. So of course, when COVID hit, it was this prime excuse, and I would say 80% of our owners then said, oh, we can't provide linens anymore because our cleaners won't handle them. And that was, you know, we went through last summer and we are still, we're almost back to square one with, mm. with many of them who are saying, well, the cleaners don't want to handle the linens. And we still have a number of people who, who don't expect there to be linens in a vacation rental because that's the way it's always been. But we are, I know we're going to go into this new season with all these new guests because we, you know, everybody who's booked, yeah. majority of people have booked, haven't been able to get out of the country. So they're, they're staying home and they're going to, they know they've got to bring their own linens, but it's, it's, it's not the best way of starting a vacation. I spoke about this last week in the podcast, just about 
preparing for a new season and preparing for a lot more high maintenance guests. People who have who are taking a vacation this way because they can't do anything else. So they've already come pre-soured and with a little bit of resentment. So yeah. The other way to look at that though is they're high standards, right? And they get you to raise your standards. I I spoke with our CFO, Karen uh, is traveling around right now and kind of doing a few months here and there. And she's in Minneapolis now and the Airbnb she's running is the warehouse where the Milky Way bar was invented. (laughs) And love that. Being in hospitality, what a unique opportunity that what they should do every guest that checks in is you get a card with the story of it and you get a Milky Way bar and you have some like why would that not be played up way more? Yeah. To make this incredibly memorable experience that there's literally no other property in the entire world that can claim this. That is something that can really make them stand out. And it's, it's just totally missed right now. Whereas you think some of the best hotels, best restaurants, they're so good at telling that story. Mm-hmm. They're so good at, because it is about the memory and the memory is a narrative. And so how do you create that narrative? And so I, I wouldn't say it's, it's always high maintenance is a bad thing. I think people that make us raise our game and raise our standards mm-hmm. help make us better. And, and it elevates us and the industry. Yeah, to a degree. When I, when I say high maintenance, people are coming with some un, unreasonable expectations because they've never been, they've never experienced this before. So I know we're going to have to talk people through uses of a septic tank and mm-hmm. why it's backed up. <laughs> And and those sorts of uh, those sorts Maybe of issues. But, not flush. <laughs> yeah, it's um, yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting summer. We know we are one hundred percent booked, uh, except the, you know the 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 odd new property we're taking on, and we've had a lot of new acquisitions. So that's a good segue, acquisitions yes. into the other main thing I wanted to talk about which was, you know, what is happening and in, in the industry in terms of acquisitions and roll-ups. I think of roll-ups and I think of you know, how I used to smoke when I was, when I was 16. <laughs> um, let, let's go back. I, did, I also said in the introduction that I, I loved talking to you because you can take some fairly um, hefty concepts and simplify them so, so that everybody, including me, I mean, mostly me can understand. So let, let's just talk, what, what are roll-ups in terms of what's happening in the industry? Just right before I do that, I, I will say the, the other piece of the acquisition side is what you were just talking about, the owner acquisition. And just like the pandemic brought an entirely new category of guests and group of guests that have mm-hmm. never come into the industry before, we're also seeing it bring a lot of brand new owners, right? People that said, I need a place that I can escape to. I, I've had urban living. I need this. And they're totally new owners into the category. We have not enough supply coming in. And there are a whole set of issues and complications and everything associated with how to get them on board and trade them. And in some, it's an opportunity, like you're saying, with the sheets and other things of just leapfrog. They have no bad habits. Great. Let me teach you how to do this right from the beginning so we don't have any problems. Um, and then others that... It's, it's going to be more of an educational process. So kind of putting that to the side, the, the idea of a roll-up, and this is, I'm going to use some of the worst consulting jargon and ease, but it's this idea of 
uh, synergies, right? So when, when someone comes in and they say, the great thing about when we put this company with this company is it's one plus one equals three, right? You, you create somehow new math that when I take these disparate parts and put them together, they're going to equal more than the sum of those parts. And some of that is through cost savings saying, oh, we don't actually need twice the sales force. The same sales force can now sale, sell both of these. We don't need twice the finance department. The same finance department can service this bigger company. So we can pull costs out. But there are other pieces where you say, hey, we actually, the products themselves, the services themselves are now better because they're mm-hmm. together than when they were on their own. And so if you look at, say, Guesty buying MyVR and your porter, there's certainly a piece of that on costs of saying, hey, we have a big tech and development team. We have a big marketing team. We have a big sales team. We can put all of this under one roof. And now we can spread those costs across three different products. And it's unclear. I, I know they've communicated some on how they're integrating, but is it, hey, we're actually just trying to serve different parts of the market. And it's more efficient to do that at this scale. Because I think one of the things you see in this industry pretty consistently is everybody's getting squeezed, right? The manager on commission gets squeezed by owners and competition, people talking about going to RBO. Then if they get the owner, they get squeezed by the OTAs taking fees. Mm -hmm. And then to run your business, you still need other technologies and services, but those get squeezed because there's only so much to spend to go buy those technologies and services. And so it's very hard for those businesses to build a company that's mm-hmm. big enough that it, it can be profitable and do everything. And so that's where this idea of roll-ups of, can we add all these pieces together to share the customer base, to share the costs and to create something bigger? The, this falls into two different categories, right? The, the one that I think was insanely successful and really the template, you already brought him up, Carl Shepard, what HomeAway did was the plan from day one. They, they never built anything, right? Carl and Brian said, give me a bunch of money. There are all these websites out there. We're going to go buy them up and put them under one roof. And one plus one is going to equal three. So they raised 50 million. They bought HomeAway and one other company, put them together. They raised 100 million, gave it to the guy who founded VRBO, put it under, and then just kept doing it. They did 35 acquisitions over the years and sold that company for $4 billion, a company that based on Airbnb metrics may on its own be worth 20, 30 billion, who knows what the market to a standalone would be worth. So that is an example of a very successful quote rule where you add all these pieces together. The other side of that is on the management side, the idea of rolling up of buying up different management companies themselves and putting them under the same roof. And that's always been popular. It's a big, you know, part of the Vacasa strategy, buying one, buying turnkey, buying 50 other smaller companies. The the best known example of that one was Resort Quests and Gaylord and, mm-hmm. and all those that went through it. That was not nearly as successful. And Amy has, Amy Highnote has a, a long form white paper on the story of that. And what it really comes down to is when you're buying technology companies that are lines of code, that integrates. You can write lines of code to integrate. When you're buying a management company, as anyone listening to this knows, <laughs> it's people, it's culture, it's relationships. And you can't buy that. And it doesn't translate. And 
either you keep those people in and you let them operate how they've always done, in which case you can't get the efficiencies because you can't consolidate how you need to, or you say, you have to do everything my way. And the people say, well, no, I've never done anything anybody else's way. This is my business. I'm leaving. And the owners don't stay and the guests and, and it kind of falls apart. And so I think we've yet to see long-term, we'll see what happens with Picasso in the next kind of 10 years, 20 years. But I, I don't think we've yet seen in the long-term, the roll-up strategy really play out super successfully on the management side. What about roll-ups in, the, um, in, in software? Because that was happening, that, that seemed to be loud a couple of, a year, 18 months ago. Where's that going? Yeah, HomeAway did that as well. So besides drilling up the sites, they did, they had V12, they had Escapia. So they, they did the software side. I, I put software much more in the lines of code. You, you can integrate lines of code. I think you do get efficiencies serving because just on the cost side, right? You're selling to the same market. You're going to the same conferences. You're advertising the same way. I, I think there's a lot of sense in consolidating in technology and software. I think that and that may be the only way mm-hmm. um, to really thrive and survive in a market like this where everybody is getting squeezed by somebody else. So I'm hearing about Vacasa and what they bought and their growth. And then on the other hand, Steve Milo and Vtrips. So could you tell us what is the difference? I mean, what is the difference between what Steve has done and what Vacasa is doing? There's so much that goes into that. And, you know, I, I know Steve's been a guest on this show and very, very vocal in the industry. And you already mentioned Skift has a very in-depth article on him. Uh, there are a number of things different. One, Steve owns 100% of his business. Mm-hmm. Like, like a lot of managers out there, that wasn't the case for a long time at Vacasa. You, you take outside money, you get totally different pressures. Whereas if you've been in this industry and you've run this business, you really understand it and you know what goes into it. And so owning 100% of the business, I think, gives Steve the ability to run the business how it needs to be run to successfully go. That's one big piece of it. Where this business is a very profitable business, if done right, how, how the cash flows work. And it's if all you're chasing is a metric that investors care about, which is revenue, whether it's profitable or not, or unit count whether it's good unit or not. And it's not a home. It's not an owner. You're just chasing units. That's just a different business. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't historically work here. The other big difference and Steve comments on has commented on this as well is it's a very local business. And this idea of one master brand to rule them all, it doesn't really translate. It doesn't mean a ton to other people. And he's done a, a good job of keeping that local business, even when he does an acquisition, saying, hey, I'm buying this because it has a brand. It has a reputation. It is really strong. And letting it run and operate mm-hmm. successfully while still giving it the benefit of maybe some of his back office scale and maybe some of the technology scale. Other things that he can say, I can, I can give some boost on marketing here. I can give some cost savings there but you're running the local operations locally. I, I think that is uh, another difference in his approach to it. Yeah. In that, in that Skift article where they talked about what, uh, talked about V-trips, mentioning Matt Landau, who has, who was shadowing Steve and another company, uh, some of his companies over a three or four, three or four week period, I think, because he was doing some filming for a documentary, which is yeah. 
That's it's all exciting stuff. But he was talking about V trips and you know saying that you know, Steve does not just bring a company in into his company and just make that you know the 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 cookie cutter solution because it, that's not what he does. And and I love Matt says they preserve the existing brand, weird quirks that seem to work, and teams with ties in the local community. And that feeds you know that feeds so much into really the whole direct booking side of it and people you know i had to get to that (laughs) and operators understanding what works in their community and he's saying just not being not having that cookie cutter solution yeah because it's not i mean it's not cookie cutter for the guests it's not cookie cutter for the homeowners it's Mm -hmm. not cookie cutter for the local community because you have to be a part of that as i think we've seen time and again on regulation Oh, I'm immune to it. I'm immune to it. Oh no, I'm not immune to it. Uh, on regulation, you have to be a fixture in the community and, and play nicely. And then for your own company, right? Like yeah. it's your company and their culture that is the one actually interacting with those other three stakeholders. So that is a local business. It, it, we're in a very difficult industry in that it's hyper, hyper local, unlike anything other than like a restaurant. That's so, so local that, you know, you're physically, you can't eat food remotely. You're physically putting mm-hmm. food in. Well, we're physically sleeping in beds and having to deal with septic tanks and all this. Um, but at the same time, whereas the restaurant, a lot of restaurants get their guests, their patrons locally. So you build that relationship and that's fine in the community. We're in an industry where all our guests by definition are not local. And so you have this hyper local business. that's having to compete in a totally digital and global world. And you're really stretched between these two totally different needs uh, and requirements. And it, it's tough. It's, it's very, very tough. I, I, some, I sometimes feel up here that, uh, you know, the, the way we, we manage things is very, very different. I mean, maybe there's some companies down the East Coast, uh, some Northeast, Northeast Coast that still have that same sort of, you know, bring your own linens, clean it, you know, leave, leave as found, which we don't do anymore, I'm glad to say. But, but yes, I mean, we see ourselves as very unique up here. And I'm sure there are many other companies that see themselves as, as entirely uh, unique entities and offerings as you say very hyper local experiences and i've talked to so many property managers on the on the uh, podcast here who talk about those hyper local experiences that cannot be replicated from a centralized i don't feel from a centralized position that's what the really difficult work is as either you scale and you go into v trips or something or as the market evolves and guest demands and homeowner demands evolve is really being deliberate and understanding what's quirky and unique and valuable and needs to be kept and what needs to evolve and change with the times. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause just like losing it all, can be bad because then you're just cookie cutter and it, it means nothing being tied to your ways that nobody wants and nobody's putting up with anymore is just as bad. And so you, you really need to identify the different pieces of, okay, here, here's Corridor brand. This is really important. This is something we're keeping versus, yeah, okay. You know, here, here's one, of course, we'll talk about. Yes, I used to set price the year before. <laughs> I really shouldn't do that anymore. Like the, the market changes a lot faster. I need to be far more dynamic in that. Yeah, that's it. Then yet again, another good segue. 
into that because you and I have talked about this this before the set it and forget it style of pricing which probably went out for for the majority of this industry quite a number of years ago but certainly in um, in our neck of the woods it's it's still for many operators it's you know you, you can see it on the websites the prices are are there they're fixed they don't change them we did make a change back in october when we got a new website and we no longer publish our rates and that has been you know well it, it was a bit of an eye opener that we could just change the rates and i know to many of my listeners you're thinking oh my god we've been doing this for years but this was pretty new to us um in our part of the world and i don't know i mean you to- you've told me enough times andrew about you're leaving money on the table. And- I mean, even now, even now, we have clients getting three to four X per night what they have ever done before. Mm-hmm. And it's, it, it was tough in a lot of senses, people who weren't doing this said, it's working, it's working. I don't need to change anything because it's working because- Every year you could raise rates a little bit and revenue would go up because there were more guests coming in. And so it always looked like you're just making more money and it's fine. Then COVID hit and it didn't work, right? Like you couldn't just price how you did last year. You actually had to change it. The truth of the matter is it was never working because the people who were moving prices were making it. This isn't even a secret. I don't think that's how and why Vacasa grew so fast because they went into markets that had static pricing and said, Mm -hmm. guess what guys? We're not going to do that. We're going to do dynamic pricing and we can make 30%, 40% more money than any other manager here. And they could deliver on it. As the rest of the market catches up with that, it, it's harder to go on with that promise. But that really was their secret sauce from the beginning. And homeowners saying 30 to 40% more revenue. Okay, sign, sign me up, right? Mm-hmm. Who's, who's going to say no to that? Yeah, it, it's something that's catching up here. Uh, in Ontario, but I, you know, it could be, it could be a while. I mean, I, I know at the moment pricing is pricing here is just like, you know, put your hand up and pluck a number. Somebody will pay for it. When we've got 750 people on a wait list for, for the months of July and August right now, because yeah. there is just absolutely nothing available. And I've, yeah. I've had people cry on the phone. <laughs> Like, they want a vacation. There's literally nowhere to go. Yeah. And somebody said, look, I didn't go on vacation last year. I've got to go on vacation this year. I've got twice the money to spend. Right. And that, and that's the thing is people worry about price gouging. This is not a hurricane situation where people are, or there's a fire and people have to get out or they're Mm going to die. This is people saying, this is literally how much I value this. I really do value it at this price. Please let me give you this. Mm -hmm. Because I value it this much. Now, the flip side of that is you have to deliver an experience of that value. So if you're going to take those higher dollars, you have to figure out a way to get the sheets. Maybe mm-hmm. maybe have a bottle of champagne waiting for them if they're paying twice as much as it's been rented for in the past. But it's, it's an opportunity to make more and it's an opportunity to deliver more at the exact same time. Yes, absolutely. And we, we, we are... We are seeing this. I'm actually hearing it from owners who say, okay, you've just put my rate up by $2,000 from what, from a, from a cancellation from somebody who booked last September and prices have gone up so significantly. And we have one or two saying, so it seems very high. What can I do to make it better for my guests? Yeah. 
Yeah. That's great. I mean, yeah. that's exactly the mentality you want them yeah. to have. And it, it's more dynamic than that. We did, we just, uh, you know, we do a weekly webinar on pricing. And today we, we talked about expiring inventory mm-hmm. and they do a prep call the day before. And they were looking at the next two weeks and, and this one manager's properties that were available and saying, okay, here, there are only these two properties that haven't booked for next weekend. So we may want to look at lowering rates. We go in today and we look and Kauai, where they're, they're competing, only has five available properties for that weekend. And they're booking and they're saying, actually, we need to go raise the rates. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's a real time thing. It's not, oh, okay, the market changed. So now it's 2000 up. It could be today. It's actually 3,500 up and tomorrow it's down another 200. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it truly is dynamic. It has to change with demand and supply. And it's, yeah. Otherwise you are leaving money on the table. Yes. Well, we are going to chat later. <laughs> yeah. I will come back to that. We'll come back to talk a little bit about rented. Just before we wrap up, I just want to talk about patterns and trends in travel. And I don't know where I got this from. While the majority of Vacasa users are in the 25 to 44-year-old bracket, recently the 45 to 64-year-old cohorts have accounted for the most growth. So what what do you hear about patterns and, and trends in travel? I mean, we know that people are looking for more outdoor experiences they they want to you know just still staying away from the from the cities but this was quite an interesting statistic that there is more growth in that older market yeah quite honestly this may be a point in time piece of who got vaccinated first mm-hmm. uh, and had That's time a, off yes so the the first market that was growing the fastest was 60 plus they got their vaccines a lot of them were retired and they were, my parents have spent two days at home, you know, in the last, I don't know how long they're, they're going to the beach here. They're going to the beach there. They're going to play golf here. They're flying out to Bermuda to visit us this week. And that, that was a very big trend. And I think you probably saw that ticking down over mm-hmm. time. I don't know if that's going to be as long-term a trend. If it is the other piece I could see there is that 45 to 65 uh, is a little more senior in their job. So may have more flexibility on working remotely as offices reopen their kids. They may be empty nesters. They may have more flexibility in not having to be there when school reopens. Mm -hmm. And so they may actually, the new digital nomad may actually be the slightly older crowd. So I I can see some rationale for it extending a little longer, but my guess is where it initially came from was a lot of that uh, vaccine. I like the idea that that age group is becoming the new digital nomad. And, you know, we've sort of moved away from it just being the millennials. But I, I'm, I'm hearing this from friends of mine who say, as soon as that border's open, I'm done. I'm out of here. Um, I can go work from anywhere. Yeah, it's so one of our um, employees, Lorena, is single mom and is now in Croatia as a digital nomad. And Croatia's like, this is incredible. Everybody thinks a digital nomad is this 25-year-old white guy that co- programs. Like, would you do commercials for us and all this to, to redefine what a digital nomad can be? Mm-hmm. It can be a totally different thing. And I think, yeah, it, it, I have friends that rented camper or RVs and like traveled around for months and months. And you just redefine what all things are possible. It, it takes kind of role models for some of that. And I, I think it's it's really cool and inspiring to see Lorena kind of be a digital yeah. nomad role model for 
for the Baltics. Well, when you talked about RVs and, and the growth of outdoorsy and RV easy sure. um, is, is just really telling, you know, rental of RVs. Who would have thought that? Um, you know, a dozen years ago. But yes, I mean, <laughs> it used to be quiet on the roads, you know, and now I'm just <laughs> going to join this great long army of RVs heading to packed out campgrounds. Yeah, it must be a different time. I, like I said, I haven't been in the US in like almost a year. So I just, I haven't seen all of it. It'll be so interesting getting back to see what that looks like. Well, we're figuring that, the, that all those people who bought those RVs a year ago as somebody said, you know, the time's going to come when these parents with young children are going to say, hey, you know, I don't want to be on the road in a tin can with toddlers anymore. So I'm going to sell this RV and get back <laughs> back to living normally. So, yeah, that, that's that's something I'm looking forward to. That's where my next RV is coming from. <laughs> yeah. So you, you get that next wave of very reasonably priced secondhand <laughs> RVs. Yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. We haven't touched on on pricing of, of uh, actual properties. You talked about over, uh, owner acquisition, but uh, maybe that's something. Oh, yeah. that, that's, I mean, that's that, that's a big thing for me right now. Is it, and because it plays into owner expectations, right? The the people who are buying now are coming in at price points that 30 percent higher. It just, I mean, you told me about one. Remember last time we talked that they bought it sight unseen. Yeah. They never visited this. They paid way over at, like they paid some absurd amount of money and they had never seen the property. And that's not the only one in the world that's doing that, right? Like that is a thing that is happening. And so for them, maybe some people just have enough money and it's totally fine. And look, if they lose money, whatever it is, others, they may need the rental income to afford it. And if they're basing it on rental income, we saw at least in some of the US markets back half of 2020 that we're seeing in 2021, I really don't know. And no one really knows if it's going to look the same. Like this is amazing. We're getting three or four X the rate in 2021 summer. Mm -hmm. I have no idea in 2022 when people can travel internationally again, when there's not as much pent up demand, when people have already used their combined two years of vacation budget, what those prices are going to look like. And so I'm really concerned how managers are going to be able to communicate with owners who said, well, you got this rate last year. I made this much last year. Say, look, I'm so happy you did because that, that doesn't mm. exist anymore. No one's doing that anymore. That, that was a one-off. And then can you keep that owner? Do they end up starting to chase? Do they, can they not afford the home? I, like, I think there are all sorts of trickle-down implications. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, the four words that I've used more than anything this past six months, year or so has been, this may not be sustainable. Yeah. Five words. It may be. I, I do think we'll see a permanent elevation. I just don't think it's at this level. I don't know. Yeah. It's not going to be where it was in 2019. I don't think it's where it is now. I just don't know what it's closer to. Yeah. Like, there's a big gap between those two, and I, I don't know where it lands. Mm -hmm. and, and the reality is it's not going to be the same everywhere, right? This isn't peanut butter spreading. It's going to be some or bigger. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Andrew, always an absolute pleasure to talk to you. It's th things happen and, and you have the great knack of laying it all out in, in a very easy to understand, understand way and uh, telling us what the implications of it are going to be for the rest of us. So thank you so much for joining me. I just want to give you a couple of, couple of minutes just to let us know what Rented does 
and how you can help the uh, the property managers out there. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I really appreciate you having me. And I'm so happy we do this twice a year now. It gives us an excuse to catch up more than we yes. used to. So that's great. So what Rennet does is we provide pricing and pricing solutions for local management companies. So back to you're having to do this very local business, but compete in a totally digital and globalized world. Um, it's very difficult to keep up with the trends on pricing, to really look at every property every day versus your market and know what the right price should be. And so we have our own automated rate tool that is kind of a self-service. If you want to keep revenue management in in-house, then this tool allows you to have dynamic rates on every property that fluctuates based on the demand and the supply in the market where you can go in and override if you know certain things mm-hmm. um, that you think the, the tool may be off on. Or we have a full service option for people that say, I do not have the time for this. I, I really need to spend my time on owner acquisition or I need to spend it on guest experience. Then we have our own internal revenue management team, um, very senior revenue managers all from the industry who go in on every property every day and make sure the rate is optimized. So discounting, or potentially raising the rates on expiring inventory, making sure out inventory, if, if new events get announced, that those prices are getting adjusted accordingly um, and, and just really on top of stuff. And so we see for the price you pay, you're getting five to 10X. You know, Each dollar you get rented every month, we're giving you five to $10 back. And so it, we, we really like to help the local manager. That sounds great. Well, of course, I will put information on uh, on rented at the end of the show notes and would love to hear from anybody who's enjoyed this episode and has any questions for Andrew to let us know by uh, by putting them on those show notes. So, Andrew, thank you so much. Always, you know, as I say, always a, a pleasure. Hopefully we'll get to see you in person before we do our next episode on around and about January the 1st, when I will be in Gulf Shores. Yes. Well, I, I would, maybe I'll have to come visit you down there. <laughs> yeah. Well, Amy and I are getting together down there. So yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll talk to you again very soon. All right. Thanks. Heather. Thank you so much, Andrew McConnell. Always an absolute pleasure to speak to you and to catch up. A year in Bermuda sounds rather nice. And I think I think if I was there, I'd probably want to uh, to stretch that out a little bit longer. But uh, but it looks like he's got a busy fall ahead, busy summer and fall. Let's have a look at. Uh, I'll put a link on the show notes to VRM Intel, where there is a list of all the events happening over the summer and through the fall and the winter. Just going to be so exciting to get back to face-to-face events and talking to people and networking and having a hug. Yeah, I, I like this idea. So as soon as our borders are open, I'm going to start planning. I had a message from Antonio Bortolotti the other day about the Vacation Rental World Summit, which will be going ahead in Annecy in France in September. Unfortunately, I know that I'm not going to make it over to Europe and... Yes, if I was going to Europe, I would also be going to see my grandson, who will be a year old in September, October time. And and I haven't met him yet. So I don't know. Now I'm talking about it. Maybe, maybe that is a possibility for September. We shall see. 
Okay, um, that's it for this week for another episode. Looking forward to talking to Brian and Katie Green uh, coming up, talking about uh, photography and actually using iPhone, iPhone photography. I love this idea. You know, I, I've got a Canon camera. I absolutely love it. I take all my photos raw and adjust them all in Lightroom. And I've, I've say so myself. I'm actually getting quite proficient at it. But I'm really looking forward to speaking to Katie about trying to get the same sort of effects and impact from um, from iPhone photos. Because, uh, you know, I, I just do, I'll take my iPhone, I'll take my phone when I'm out looking at properties and take a few snaps, particularly if I'm not intending on doing a full photo shoot. But this, this episode is going to be about doing that photo shoot and how she will actually help you by, I guess, being on the other end of the phone while you're taking the pictures. So she will guide you into how to do it. Um, sort of like she's sitting on your shoulder while you're taking pictures. So listen out for that one. I will be recording that next week. So that's going to be coming very, very soon. Okay, let's wrap this up. I'm heading out to my garden. Uh, it's such a beautiful evening and I'm going to take a little bit of time off. So hope you have a great week and uh, I'll be with you again next week. You've been listening to the Vacation Rental Success Podcast and we hope you've enjoyed this episode. This episode was brought to you by the Vacation Rental Formula's own Virtual Vendor Showcase, your go-to location when searching for new products and services for your vacation rental business. Head across to vacationrentalformula.com forward slash VVS to find out more. It's been a pleasure as ever being with you. If there's anything you'd like to comment on, then join the conversation on the show notes for the episode at vacationrentalformula.com. We'd love to hear from you. And I look forward to being with you again next week. <laughs>